0: I was very upset that we did not go down and score on the last drive. And I, and while you say, oh, you know, played well, done some good things, I take a lot of pride in at the end of the game being able to to, to make that play on third or fourth down that, that gets the, keeps the drive going and gets you down in scoring position. And I did feel like we have the team and the offense that can do that in that moment. And so it's hard for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a great job. When, when the last drive I was out there, we did not uh, – complete the job
1: and good evening everyone and welcome to under center with kirk cousins a thursday night edition of under mm-hmm. center uh, out of necessity and kirk i know you're locked in for obvious reasons on detroit on sunday but for uh, programming purposes yeah. we do need to oh, kind of yeah. d- dissect a, a frustrating night the other night in seattle uh, nearly erased a 17 point uh, seattle lead in the fourth quarter three and a half to go you had the ball and the chance to take the lead potentially win it uh, having the significance and knowing the significance of that game is it kind of still sticking your craw today?
0: Yeah it really does more than even most losses for some reason I'm not quite sure why I know that the last drive especially frustrates me I mean you can point to two dozen plays in the game that if one of them is executed better or goes a different way that maybe the whole game turns I mean, you can you can start talking like that but for me my mind just goes to the last drive just because that was where the game had gone and you love the opportunity to be able to go down the field there, score a touchdown, take the lead, potentially with so little time left that the game's over at that point. And so to miss that opportunity, especially after getting close to midfield, uh, just really upset me. And, um, you know, hopefully next time we get that chance up ahead, we'll, we'll make good on it.
1: Well, let's elaborate. It's kind of the finishing, finishing line of that game, but let, we can always backtrack a little bit. But let's, let's elaborate on that last drive because they threw a pass to Kyle Rudolph and mm-hmm. it, it looked like the drive got off to a great right. start and you were in a good rhythm.
0: Yeah, when you get that first completion and first first down, many times it leads to a good drive and, and, and so that was a great first play, really good job by Kyle and the way he got open and then pushed up the field after the catch. I believe we may have hit a screen after that. that got us to midfield. Um, and then it was from there, you know we just had, I think uh, four, three or four straight in completions, but uh, you know tough tough uh, defense. They did a good job. Obviously, you got to give them credit for taking some things away. And then uh, we just didn't, you know, hit on the on the plays that we needed to to be able to finish that game. Uh, but but you know those last three four plays certainly are what what keep me up at night a little bit. Right. You know,
1: in particular the the fourth down play. I think it was fourth and three, and mm-hmm. people, a lot of conversation about that. You tried to get the ball into Irv Smith Jr. and uh, batted away, but looked like a tough completion to, to, mm-hmm. to hit. But what was the, the thought process and what your options particularly were on that play?
0: Yeah, it was a tough. Uh, it was a tight window. Uh, so in hindsight, I think the, the, the better option would have been to extend the play. Um, didn't really have Irv, as you could see, by the incompletion. And then uh, the halfback as an outlet over the ball, I don't really think was there. If he is there, it's probably not a first down. So, uh, you know, the pocket allowed me to move. And, and I think you look back and you say, you know, could I have left the pocket and, and try to make something happen? And, and uh and Not maybe we very well could have. You know, Diggsy, yeah. Diggsy was one on one down the sideline, and uh, uh, you know, who knows off schedule if, if he maybe obviously can make a play for you there. So those are the things you talk about, try to learn from, um, and uh, and again, you're just ready to make those plays when yeah. they come in the future. You had
1: a chance, just really, it, it was a great chance for an epic comeback. And I don't know if the, if the Broncos situation, you're down twenty nothing in half, and you kept your calm and you you came back very you know, very methodically to beat the, yeah. the Broncos in that game. Did that help? in that situation even though you're on the road?
0: Oh yeah there's confidence there's belief Um, all you can do is keep playing and uh, you enjoy every snap you get and so you you take advantage of it and try to make the most of it and thankfully you know when Laquan Treble got so open down the field and scored a quick touchdown that really helped because we were running out of time in some ways so when you can score quickly it, it it really helps and so his play I thought was a big boost of energy for us and then Obviously, another drive where Rudy mm-hmm. made an unbelievable one handed catch for the touchdown. Um, and suddenly, right back there, it was even surprising to me to run to the sideline and realize wait a minute, we're likely going to get the ball back again. And this is a one possession game. So it uh, just goes to show you have to keep playing because you never know.
1: You know. We always talk about getting off the good start. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. We mentioned the Denver game. Obviously, it didn't happen there, but it mm-hmm. did happen in
0: this game. You got, right. you got the ball first drive. It looked like it was
1: scripted perfectly six plays, 83 yards. as crisp. An opening drive, Kirk, I think as I've seen all season long.
0: Yeah, well, Dalvin did a great job on first down, making a catch over the middle and moving up the field, and then called a bootleg on the second play, and Hammer was dead to rights in a way in the flat, and he breaks the tackle, and next thing you know, it was, I think, a 50-yard gain, 40-yard gain. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, what a great play by him. And uh, and then we had a couple runs, and Diggsy did a great job on a jet sweep, getting us down to the two-yard line, and then Dalvin punched it in from there. It was really... Um, you know, like clockwork, and, and a great job by our coaches as they plan out those plays before the game and then executing them. And uh, certainly in a tough road environment, to have a start like that, I think, is a great help for the rest of the game.
1: Are you finding that defenses have to pay more attention to C.J. Ham as a receiver now? I mean, mm-hmm. He's a traditional, terrific blocking fullback and helps you with right. pass protection and everything else, but all of a sudden... He could be a weapon as much as Dalvin Cook out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, the way we've used him, you have to honor him. I mean, we'll widen him all the way outside and mm-hmm. have him run slants. We, we've even thrown him a slant this year, uh, go balls, post route. Uh, certainly he's caught some screens and, and been a part of. And then, obviously, he brings the hammer, if you will, yeah. in the run game. So you do have to honor him. And I think the versatility of what the fullback position provides and then specifically the person playing the fullback position, which CJ gives us that versatility, It does make it tough on defenses, and that's why our offense wants to use a fullback. That's why, as other teams Mm -hmm. move more to a spread, we want to keep that fullback in there because we feel it keeps defenses in a bind, not knowing what's coming. As
1: the ebb and flow of that first half continued, it ended... In perfect fashion, you kick a 47-yard field goal on the last play of the first yeah. half to take a 17-10 lead, knowing you get the ball to start the third quarter right. and you have an opportunity to potentially take a, a two-score lead, but just didn't work out that way. But that, that was the kind of situation that every team wants to be in.
0: Correct. I mean, that's why you defer at the uh, at the opening mm-hmm. kickoff so that you can get the ball to start the second half. We refer to that as a double dip when you score to end the half and then you have a chance to score to start the second half. We you know, and we've been able to do it in, in certain games this year. And when you double dip. Oftentimes you can put the game away. Um, you know, I think it was 17-10 at that point. If you score again, it's 24-10. It just changes the the whole feel of the second half. So uh, we talked about at halftime the importance of coming out and having a great first drive. Unfortunately, we didn't do it. We ran a bootleg initially, uh, checked it down to Conk. He made a, you know, made us mm-hmm. gave us a few yards, and then the next play, uh, handed off. Dalvin got tripped up by my foot as right. I handed it off to him. That probably a productive run there. Didn't have it. And then third down, they played man coverage and it was an incomplete pass. Uh, my arm got hit. So, next thing you know, you're punting just like that. And it was it was tough to go three and out after feeling like you had them on their heels a little bit.
1: They originally called that a fumble, I think, on the field. Yeah. And it was it was an odd game because there were such few penalties called. Did you did you feel that as the game went on that? The flow of the game was just different than normal because there weren't um, yeah, many red I, flags then.
0: I, I didn't pay attention too much to the lack of penalties. I guess going back to earlier in the year when I mean, there were so many penalties, yeah. uh, that was different than how the year had started. But uh, it did feel a little back and forth, felt like uh, we exchanged blows. And, you know, I, I have so much respect for their defense, for their scheme, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for that environment playing there. And, uh, I knew that they were going to get some you know they were going to have a few plays as well and and so you always knew that and then with russell wilson at quarterback for seattle you always expect them to 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 fire back in the second half but uh you know certainly needed a better third quarter than what we than what we had
1: yeah that that turned into be a nightmare to to say the least and i think the one play that kind of symbolizes that third quarter was when delvin gets hit he fumbles the ball he goes down he's injured we look on the field and there's Diggs is down and you lost the football. I'm thinking, what else? Could, then they go to commercial break when you're watching it on television. Uh, that, that was a, a blow, to say the least.
0: Yeah, the, the strength of the uh, of the Seahawks defense had been forcing turnovers, and we felt that if we could stay turnover free, that we had a great chance to win the ballgame. So the fumble hurt. I think they got a field goal off of that, that so that was, that was three it. points. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, the interception was then a touchdown. So it was really ten points off turnovers, and we ended up losing by, I believe, seven. So you see the turnovers and how big of a difference they make, and, and, and um, there were obviously so many plays. I talked about how there were two dozen earlier in the on the podcast, but uh, but those two turnovers, you feel you you kind of gave them a chance mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they didn't need to, ha- you know, you didn't need to give them.
1: But like you said, you came roaring back, and uh, all of a sudden you scramble, you bought some time, and here's Laquan Treadwell all waving at you. Did yeah. you notice know him right away?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I really wasn't thinking him because of the way they were playing the coverage. They took him away initially. And uh, then I had to escape the pocket with the way the rush came uh, towards the inside of the line. And uh, I noticed Rudy, but the safety drove him. And because mm-hmm. the safety drove Rudy, Laquan was should have been one-on-one with the corner, but the corner did not sink with Laquan. So he was all by himself, yeah. nobody within 10, 15 yards. And, and then he did a great job finishing the play. Um, and that's the kind of thing where maybe you get out of the pocket extend the play those kinds of things can sometimes happen and uh, and so that was a great reminder on that play well
1: Laquan has stuck to it I mean he's, he's been written off about a hundred times and uh, he's still <laughs> been a contributor to this football team
0: yeah well there, there's a reason he's out there uh, first of all so you, you you know there's no gifts in the national football you got to earn it and he's he's earned the right to be in there in those moments so uh, you know you have to you have to understand that and respect that and then secondly um he does a phenomenal job for us when it comes to blocking in the run game you know the kind of things that are not heralded as much Mm -hmm. by outsiders but you appreciate as a player uh you know he'll stick his face in on anybody and block them which not many receivers will do right and uh and having been in this system now uh, and played here for many years and then also having played with with me for the last couple there's just a little bit more of a trust and a confidence in what it'll give you that uh, that I think helps as well.
1: I don't want to use the word frustration, but I think Kyle Rudolph realized early on in the year he wasn't getting many footballs right. as he probably wanted, uh, and he never complained about it. But, man, you have found him, and you rely on him. He's kind of your security blanket. He'd yeah. love to get that ball up high because, you know, he's a basketball background. Yeah. <laughs> he can go grab it with one, one of those mitts of his.
0: Yeah, I probably. A couple of those one-handed catches, I've probably overdone you know, how far to lead him or how far to put it out there, but he's made it right by... Making incredible catches, uh, memorable catches. Uh, but certainly, since Adams been been injured, um, we've kind of reinvented a little bit. And Rudy's just answered the call tremendously, especially in the red zone. But he's made some great plays outside too. And and in the two minute, we've had to be in the last couple of weeks at the end of at the end of games. He stepped up, so uh, he's been a tremendous, as he said, security blanket. And uh, we'll keep relying on him. You know, defenses will start to take him away probably now that he's shown up more. But uh, but we're gonna go to him whenever we can.
1: And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins and Kirk. Let's introduce our first uh, guest of the week. And I know you had a chance to talk to uh, the legendary <laughs> basketball coach of your alma mater, Tom Izzo, a little while back. What was that like for you?
0: Yeah, a few weeks ago, I got the chance to get him on the line and and just chat, which was really fun. You know, I don't get that opportunity to uh, do that all the time. And uh, he and I obviously crossed paths when I was at Michigan State. He has a unique relationship with the football program. Steve Mariucci is a close friend. Is we'll talk about it on the on the interview, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he really loves the game of football, and so I had a great chance to get to know him as a player at Michigan State, and then we've kept in touch since then.
1: I just want to know if he ever uh, keeps his voice intact. Because no, he from doesn't. The time, it no. seems
0: like any time you hear any interviewer you ever heard with Tom Izzo, he's got, perp- he's got permanent Correct. laryngitis. I think so. He wouldn't be good for radio. Uh, <laughs> we played golf one time in April a few years back, and his voice is gone in April, God. late April. So uh, there's no way it's there in the basketball season. But uh Uh, It just goes to show the passion he lives with and coaches with, and uh, it's led to a lot of success on the basketball court, that's for sure.
1: Well, he's a legend, so let's hear Kirk's interview with uh, the legendary Tom Izzo.
0: Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. I'm your host, Kirk Cousins. Uh, We have a very special guest right now joining us from my alma mater, Coach Tom Izzo, the coach of the Michigan State basketball team. Coach has won... Over 600 games at Michigan State as the head coach. He's taken the Spartans to eight Final Fours, including the Final Four just this past year in the Twin Cities at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, He has won six Big Ten tournament titles and nine Big Ten regular season titles as accomplished of a basketball coach as there is out there. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
2: Well, Kirk, thanks for having me on. I'm actually uh, sitting in Grand Haven, not far from your old stomping ground. That's so right. I love it. We visited it. Your, your, your new home up in Minnesota, and we appreciated you coming by and speaking to the team. We kind of didn't quite get it done, but we got a good team coming back, and I know you got a good team coming back, so let's hope both of us uh, go deep into the playoffs
0: this year. Hey, man, no, I was so grateful that you would even allow me to come by and and uh, be a part of your final four preparation coach was kind enough to let me speak to the team the night before their game against texas tech at us bank stadium and uh uh, that was a thrill for me and uh, it was a thrill to watch your team last year uh i was able to catch a couple games in person and then just obviously through the tv for the rest of them and uh what a great group of kids and cassius winston having him back will be a lot of fun and uh overall are you excited about the group and the culture you have and and the senior leadership i would think you're you're pretty optimistic.
2: Well, I really am. You know, we're going to be picked anywhere in the top two, one, two, or three, and, you know, we got to live up to that. And, as you know, that's sometimes harder. But I'm kind of excited about it. I've got two or three juniors and seniors and uh, one sophomore that have all started. So, uh, you know, we should be good. And uh, whether mm. we can withstand a brutal schedule early with mm. Kentucky and Duke, maybe Kansas, Eaton Hall on the road, uh all ranked in the top 12, uh, you know, that'll kind of set the stage, but I do think, uh, this team's going to get better and we got a great chance. And as you say, Cassius Winston is, is kind of our Kirk cousins when you were he <laughs> here, um, doing it on the court, off the court and in the classroom. Uh, he's a phenomenal student. He's a phenomenal kid. And he's a, of, you know, he's going to be a player of the year candidate in a lot of uh, preseason magazines.
0: Amen. Yeah, I I, uh, grew up, you know, watching Mateen and Mo Pete, and then I watched Drew Neitzel play in high school. Drew was in our conference, so I watched him at Michigan State, and then obviously Kalen Lucas and Darrell Summers, or Draymond Green, those guys, you know, when I was there at Michigan State, went to two Final Fours, and so I had a great run when I was there watching. But I would say over all those names, and he's still got a year to go, but Cassius may be my favorite player of all those years. When you just look at the total picture The person, the leader, the fact that he came back for his senior year. um, I've interacted with him just only briefly, but been very impressed. So uh, excited for his senior year, and I hope he goes out on the highest of notes. So that'll be fun to follow. Coach Chubb. Just a quick question for you. You know, you mentioned Kentucky and Duke and some of those, those big-time schools. You know, I always thought it was interesting and, a, and a, a testament to you and your program that, you know, those schools, the Kentuckys, Dukes, Kansases, North Carolinas, they're getting McDonald's All-Americans, multiple McDonald's All-Americans, it seems like, every single year. And yet at Michigan State, it seems like when we get a guy like that, that's a big deal. That's celebrated. And yet, you then are expected every year to compete with those schools even if you aren't bringing in the McDonald's All-Americans every single year like those schools are. And I think it's amazing, and everyone realizes how impressive it is, of what you're able to do with quote-unquote less talent out, out the gate because of the way you develop it. Um, can you speak to that and just the challenge it can be, but then also the challenge you, you enjoy about developing your players and, and having them take on those, those um, you know, other blue blood programs?
2: Well, I think you said it best, and I think you would agree it doesn't matter what sport it is, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, you know, they're all the same. Experience does matter, and and having some uh, a culture matters. You know, it's hard to get a culture if guys are coming in and out. And, you know, Kurt, as I remember right, you were one of the last guys to receive a scholarship at Michigan State, yep. which means you weren't everybody's All-American either. And, right. uh, and look what you've done with your career there and now beyond, and, I think sometimes this day and age uh, there's getting so many accolades early that some of these kids are having trouble dealing with it. You know, in our sport, God, we're recruiting eighth graders, ninth graders, and I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy for Mm. the kids, and I've found a way to have a, you know, Cassius wasn't everybody's uh, first team All-American out of high school, and, you know, we had a kid, Aaron Henry, last year who apparently was recruited by the Indianas, and, and he's from Indianapolis and in Purdue's, but, you know, he really came on. I think part of it is, you know, hopefully we develop him, but I think part of it's the culture we've developed yes. and the way we've used the Draymond Greens to come back and the Steve Smith and guys that in our program that weren't everybody's All-American coming out either and yet has been successful. So that's what I'm so proud of you on. You know, I, I've right. watched yours. You know, you know, Kurt, in 36 years here, I've missed four home football games wow. all of them was because we were playing either in Maui or Puerto Rico as the year season ended and ours started so you're talking to the biggest football that's team right college basketball so I've watched you grow too and uh and I kind of keep the same philosophy myself let's get good kids that want to get better, and I, I, I don't think that even changes at the pro level, to be honest.
0: Amen. No, I felt a great belief in you. I remember when I was a young player and still figuring if I could even belong at Michigan State my freshman and sophomore year, I just occasionally would rub shoulders with you, whether it was you came by a practice sure. or I saw you on the sidelines of a game or the spring game, whatever it may be, and I just always felt a belief in me from you, and I, I think that went a long ways, probably more than you realize, and just giving me a shot in the arm and having confidence and believing that I could do that, and so... Grateful for the run. You know, there's just so much respect back then from the football program towards the basketball program of the success you had had and that we were trying to get to that level. And so to be able to know just down the street was uh, an iconic coach and an iconic program, I think we really uh, drew a lot of strength from that. And so uh, we've always appreciated your involvement with uh, with the football program. But uh, coach, I always ask this, you know, I, I go around in the off season. I try to intentionally meet with people who have accomplished a lot or been very successful in different fields and just ask them questions and learn from them. And one question I always ask is to say in your career or specifically in your time at, at Michigan State, what's the best decision you ever made? If you could look at a, a choice you had to make, a decision you had to make that was the most pivotable or the best decision you ever made when you look back now and see uh, what has come of, of your time at Michigan State.
2: You know, I, I would have to say of all the things that I look at, um, developing the strong relationships. You know, I I think everybody asks me, well, what is your strength? You know, we've been a good defense team. We've been a good rebounding team. You know, we've been this, we've been that. I said, if I have a strength to myself, it's I spend time with my guys. You know, I I, I think spending time gives you a license that you understand what they're looking for and they understand what you're looking for. So some people would consider me hard. I, I think the guys that go through it would consider me more than fair because, my job is to find out what they want to accomplish, and then to, my job is to hold them accountable to what they want to accomplish. So mm-hmm. I'd say that if all the things that have happened, developing relationships mm. uh, may be the biggest key to why we've had success mm. and why guys continue to come back. And, yep. uh, you know, I I think that is uh, that is what I'm going to live
0: with till I'm done. Yeah, amen. And
2: uh And that's where I go.
0: So, speaking of being done, (laughs) uh, do you you think (laughs) about retirement? Do you think about life? What life will look like someday away from coaching basketball at Michigan State, or do you see yourself doing this until they drag you off the court? Do you you ever have your thoughts go there? Yeah,
2: yeah, I do. I, I, you know, I think about it. I I, I decided one thing when I when I can't take red eyes from Vegas to Florida for the AU tournaments, or when I don't want to. You know, I'm not going to stay an extra year. I'm not going to have a. Long song, I'm just gonna know when it's I think I'm gonna know when it's time i'm I'm still enjoying what I'm doing It's great uh you know, a little different because uh my little adopted guy Stephen. he's a freshman at Michigan state now, wow. so that could lead me to stay a little while longer sure. and, but as long as we're doing well, I do not want to hang on and and watch the program go down, but I think the program is gonna go up right now. I just love the culture we have, I love the kids we have and and you know what, Kurt for me. Um, when I am done, um, hopefully I'll spend a little time in maybe Florida or someplace in the winter, but my falls will still be following Spartan football. I
0: love it. At
2: heart. If I come back, uh, my second life on this planet, uh, I know I'm going to be a football coach. I just Uh, hope my live, eat and sleep and love. I love it.
0: That's outstanding. Well, uh, You'll have a friend and me on the Lakeshore for a long time. We're, we're just a couple towns south of you, and we love it there. So hopefully we can run into each other in the future. And speaking of football, uh, Coach Mariucci just texted me the other day. Uh, we were texting back and forth about something. I know you grew up with him, and that's another football connection of yours. So he was someone I had known about for years. Obviously, when he coached the Lions, I was growing up in the state. But I actually got the chance to meet him for the first time and talk for a while this February in Atlanta at the NFL Honors event. And uh, we've, we've traded a couple texts since then. So obviously another great... Great football mind. I know you're a friend of his and went to high school together and college together, so that's a pretty special relationship. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just out at uh, uh, Fox, had me out to do an NFL. Uh, we had a little symposium out there for all the NFL people and mm. I was trying to see Mary. She was in California just three days ago. And so here I was sitting there on a panel with, you know, the Jimmy Johnsons, Urban Meyer, actually was there because he's going to be working for them now. And mm. And I was supposed to see Mooch, but he was with the NFL Network, and he was doing the Raiders that day up in uh, Gotcha. Get a tough job. He was up in Napa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Someone's got to do it.
2: Every week, you know. He is uh, still my best friend. We're best men at each other's wedding. it's great. And uh, I think uh, another class guy, and I'm, I'm glad you guys have touch base because uh, you two have a lot of commonalities. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's an incredible human being and a good person. And yeah. and I say the same about you, Kurt.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, if you guys get to the barn this year to play the Gophers, I'd love to come by. I still haven't been to the barn, so I'll make it a point if the Spartans come to town here in the Twin Cities that I'll make it over and watch you guys play. But uh, can you talk about the barn a little bit and what that venue's like as opposed to the other places you, you've played around the country?
2: You know, uh, first of all, I think we do play there this year. We didn't last year, but we got yeah. to the final four. but We didn't play but, uh, you know, I've been around, uh, you know, a while, you know, and there's been uh, so many back when Clem Haskins was there. When that barn, I mean, they're pretty loyal fans up there, even when they've struggled some. But uh, when they're winning, it's not there's not a tougher place to play, you know. And believe it or not, back in college, when uh, Kevin McHale and those guys played, they were ranked one in the country, and Little Northern Michigan went up there and played. Really? Together play up there once uh it's a pretty
0: sister, doable myself. drive from the from the up across wisconsin over into minneapolis isn't oh, it? yeah. it's and pretty and doable did,
2: and you know in division two we drove it oh yeah <laughs> we, did, we, we drove part of it took a dog sled part of it but we arrived there <laughs> and played and they were really good flip saunders was on that team wow good friend of mine who passed away now but yep. um you know i think the, the barn is uh one of those iconic places. You know, a couple of years ago, I got a chance to play in the Palestra in Philadelphia. Mm. I have bucket less things I want to do, and uh, the barn was always a special place. It's great. It, uh, it's nuts. So this year, I'm going to have you on the bench
0: with us if if you're in town when we play it. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that, and you're always welcome at a Viking game if you ever uh, have the time, but Coach, just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, So much respect for you, for what you've done for Michigan State, what you're continuing to do for Michigan State. We're always in your corner. We'll be watching and cheering for you, and uh, maybe we'll be retiring about the same time, and if so, I look forward to (laughs) catching up with you at that point, but uh, all the best this year, Coach. Thanks for coming on.
2: Kirk, thank you, and good luck this year, man. I'll be watching. I got, I got the uh, the network where I get all the games, so I'm, I'm, I'm tuning in myself.
0: Outstanding. All right, coach. Thank you. See you, buddy. Yep, we'll see you. Bye, bye. All right, Kirk. Well, we heard from
1: uh, the one head coach at Michigan State, Tom Izzo, the basketball, long-time basketball coach. Coming up next, your old football head coach at MSU, Mark Dantonio. Dan Stay with us on under center with Kirk Cousins. All right, from uh, one Michigan State head coach to another guy you actually played for, uh, head football coach Mark Dan Antonio, and uh, he's had kind of an up and down situation. Right. But uh, what what are your thoughts about uh, his 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 place in Michigan State right now?
0: Well, their regular season just wrapped up. Uh, we did this interview several weeks back. Right, it was great to catch right. up with him, but uh, probably not the season that we were hoping for as Spartans. Uh, you know, Minnesota was the one that had the dream season, which I think is outstanding, and it made it fun to follow that being right here in their backyard. But uh, uh, You know, coach has done so much at Michigan State. He's elevated that program. They hadn't gone to a bowl game in five straight years when Mm -hmm. he arrived in 2007, and uh, he ended up having back to back to back uh, double digit win seasons, and college football playoff, and a number three national ranking, a Rose Bowl championship, three Big Ten championships. So, he's he's earned the right to uh, to be there for a long time, and he'll go down as one of, if not the greatest coach in Michigan State football history. And so, it's a real privilege to have him on this show and. Uh, hopefully listeners can kind of hear my relationship with him and, and you know the way he impacted me and the way I play the game. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. I'm your host, Kirk Cousins, and uh, a very special guest right now with us is Mark D'Antonio, my head coach at Michigan State for the years that I played there, still the head coach at Michigan State. He's in his 13th year there as the head coach. He's won well over 100 games now as the head coach at Michigan State, and that doesn't include all of his years at Cincinnati as a head coach. Uh, he's won three Big Ten championships in those years in the Big Ten, and he's twice been named Big Ten Coach of the Year. So he is a rock star in East Lansing and at Michigan State and is one of the heroes in my life. Coach, thanks so much for coming on.
3: Well, thanks for having us on, Coach uh, Kirk, and um, really, really sort of honored, very honored.
0: Well, we're uh, – I want to go back down memory lane a little bit and it's amazing to see as the years have passed now. uh, I was a freshman in 2007. That was when we first met. You recruited me and and were the only Big Ten coach to give me a scholarship and gave me an opportunity and I showed up in that quarterback room and there were a couple other quarterbacks in that room. One was named Brian Hoyer and the other was named Nick Foles. Brian has now played 11 years in the NFL and Nick has been a Super Bowl MVP and is going into his eighth year. Uh, At the time, I thought, man, am I ever going to get to play here? Not knowing that combined there would be well over 20 years of NFL experience in that quarterback room. At that time, did you know that there was going to be NFL experience in that quarterback room? Or at times, do you look back and feel like it was a surprise to see the NFL success of all those guys?
3: Well, really, that's something that we recruit to all the time. You know, we've had those guys there and you yourself. And I remember you started very, very fast. And uh, you know Brian quarterback that year, and then the second year uh, you were a redshirt freshman. And I told you that you were going to play in that. Um, uh, I think it was the Capital One Bowl. Yeah, the I bowl remember, game. Yep. Against Georgia, and we put you in for a series. And you took us right down the field, and can't remember what the end of it that series. But uh, I think you at that point in time, I knew you were going to be very, very special. You got great leadership qualities, and um, uh, the rest of it took off. Dave Warner was your was your quarterback right. coach, and his quarterback coach still currently here, so um, I think that's a very positive thing as well, but uh, those were exciting times, Kirk, you know, look back at that time, and that was the beginning yeah. for all of us, so yeah. things were happening fast, and uh, um, we all had our dreams of what this place was going to be about, and uh, you helped make make it special.
0: Now, uh, your staff's ability to recruit, I always marveled at the way you would go find a player in Ohio, a player in Michigan, who Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan either didn't offer or... Failed to really go after, and you would find them. I even think of a Trey Waynes from Wisconsin and get them and uh, and then turn them into, really, NFL draft picks. Uh, Is there any formula you operate by or a system you have when it comes to recruiting and finding some of these diamonds in the rough or even just developing them once you get there? Is is there any special formula you have for doing that, you and your staff?
3: You know, I I think what we do is look for good athletes that are hard workers. And, um, you know, there's a very, very fine line, I think, between guys who – who make it to the next level as yourself or guys that start in college or guys who don't because everybody who comes here is pretty relatively the same in terms of their their um, physical abilities and really what begins to set them apart are the intangibles so we've been fortunate to develop players or be on the to, to help develop the young players uh, and then um, they surround themselves with people like yourself and other spartans here and the competition allows them to get better, and uh, the next thing you know, they're playing in a big game in a big moment, and um, and you find them succeeding, and their confidence grows, grows, and uh, you know they become so- something very, very special. You know, Jack Conklin, great example right. of that. It was a exactly. walk on here and ended up, uh, you know, first round pick and uh, an All Pro.
0: Exactly. Now uh, speaking of one of those players you developed, Trey Wayne's, who became a first round pick. He's a teammate of mine here with the Vikings, and is a phenomenal player. He'll have a long career. Uh, his speed is is rare, even among NFL corners. And you've had some good corners through the years, going all the way back to Ronaldo Hill, some of the guys you've coached at Ohio State and all the way up through the, the Tarquezes uh, at Michigan State. What made Trey Waynes a great corner, and, and um, what do you see from him in his pro career? Because I continue to be impressed. He continues to improve year after year, and I think he's going to become one of the elite corners in the league.
3: You know, Trey uh, actually played free safety in high school, and he'd wow. run the alley and— and tackle you, and uh, you know, obviously, you had that speed. He actually, believe it or not, and this is a testament to, to just how people develop. We registered him his first year. Yep. yep. So he only played. He played three years for us, but he was in the program for four. Uh, I think he's recently graduated as well. But um, you know, he was a guy that uh, had a tremendous amount of ability, but um, was just learning how to play at that point in time, especially at corner, because we transitioned him to that. Uh, so, uh, you know, the thing that makes him, I think the thing that makes him really good is his, you know, he's a, he's a tough individual. He's got yes. great ball skills. He can run. He's got length, but he is a tough individual in terms of, you know, he'll oh. come and tackle you. And, and, uh, a lot of times people don't really want to do that at a young age. You know, they want to play a skilled position and have trouble getting people on the ground, but he can do that. And I think that'll make him a tremendous corner in the NFL as well.
0: Well, he fits really well here uh, with Coach Zimmer. There's a lot of similarities between you and and Coach Zimmer, both defensive-minded head coaches, and you both want effort and toughness and to know what to do, and uh, Trey certainly can do that, and so he's been a great fit. But, uh, you know, another guy that I've been going against who's been giving me fit since our days at Michigan State, that's Russell Wilson. Uh, We had some epic games against him my senior year. One was a Hail Mary where we came out on top in East Lansing, and then we played him in the Big Ten Championship game, and Lost at the very end on a, on a tough call, and Russell had a great game, and it was back and forth, and that to this day is probably one of the toughest losses I've ever had on a football field. Um, when you think of it as a defensive-minded coach going against a Russell Wilson, what was the game plan for a guy like that? Because to this day it seems like NFL defensive coordinators cannot figure out how to stop him and what he can do. Uh, what would you tell your defenses going against a Russell Wilson uh, back then a few years ago, or what would you tell coordinators now going against him in the pros?
3: Well, first of all, I want to go back to that game, Kirk, because it was fourth and eight, and I opted to punt, <laughs> and you were on fire that game, and I keep uh, questioning myself. We were, we were in our own territory. We were in our own
0: territory, and I missed a couple throws on those I first couple we downs. And,
3: I think you were on fire.
0: Yeah,
3: um, we did get we didn't really get the ball back because of the roughing the punter, but um, right. and we returned it as you remember to the three yard line. But it answers yeah. your question. You know, I think we're, our our deal with Russell Wilson was we have to contain him and not allow him to create and I thought we did a pretty good job of that. And then at the end of the game on fourth and whatever, from right. the plus 40 or plus 35 or something, he got out of the pocket and um, he threw it down the field and guy made a great play. And
0: um, yeah, no, I remember the know. DBs were in position and everything, which is all you can ask for. But, uh, you know, you can say contain, 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 but great players usually find a way to slip out of it.
3: Yeah, and so. he, uh, he had that capability to do that.
0: Well, I actually had an interview earlier today. It was good timing. Uh, the Big Ten Network came out here and sat down with me to do a a little uh, history on the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, and they had me go back through and kind of tell, from my perspective, each of those years I was there, which was uh, a great chance to go down memory lane and brought up a lot of great memories. But, uh, you know, it just made me want to bring up with you again that rivalry and just how important you made it, how you didn't back down from it from the moment you arrived on campus and the way you prioritized it. And you always said, you know, guys, you get what you emphasize – and you emphasize that rivalry, and I think as a result, you've taken that rivalry from where it was to now it being a very special thing that people around the country take notice of. And I, I think your, your role and your leadership has a lot to do with that. Uh, just kind of open-ended question. What, what, what do you have to say about that rivalry and kind of the years that we had together during during those, those games against Michigan?
3: Well, first of all, I learned about that uh, when I was here the first time around as an assistant coach for uh, Nick Saban. And you only have to be involved in any rivalry across this country uh, one time to start to understand it. So I embraced it when I came back as the head football coach, and I knew that if we were going to ever be Big Ten champions here, and that's what I came here to do. We all came here to do that. Uh, that we were going to have to measure up in this state because we were going to compete for players in this state, and we were going to have to win and win that particular game in this state. So um, the first deal was uh, you got to measure up. You got to become the, become competitive again. And uh, you've got to win. You've got to win. To make it a rivalry game, you have to win some. Amen. So we started We started making that a an important part of our program. We were able to do that, and now it, it, it continues. So um, we need to stay on top of that and, and continue to push that forward. But I think it's good for college football. But um, you know how it is in this state, man. You know, you're walking across <laughs> the street and you see somebody in blue. and You're right. just like, why they got to wear that? <laughs> and I'm sure that they're uh, – They're of the same mindset down there, so we'll just keep pushing that forward. But uh, if you've never Mm -hmm. been to one of those games, uh, dress right and come on.
0: Amen. Well, uh, I'm out here in Minnesota, and so people i will say, where would you go to college? And they'll say, I went to the U of M. And I always say, oh, you went to Ann Arbor, huh? And they say, no, I went to the University of Minnesota here in in Minneapolis. And so I've had to kind of rewire my brain when I hear the words U of M. But uh, when you guys come out to play the U of M out here and play Coach Fleck, you can bet I'll be there, uh, ready to cheer you on and, 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 and welcome you. And then, uh, next year, coach 2020 will be the 10 year reunion of our 2010 big 10 championship. And so I'm already looking forward to a 10 year reunion and getting back with all those guys and seeing them and coming to a game and, and hopefully getting down on the field. So look forward to that. And, uh, uh, thanks so much for coming on, on this show. It's just so good to catch up with you coach.
3: Thanks Kirk. You know, uh, our, our motto this year, our mantra this year, is chase the moment, hmm. and um, that's one of those moments that I look back on and uh, really is, is, is very, very special, and you helped inspire that, as you know, um, uh, pregame and everything, but um, that was one of the special times that I've had here at Michigan State. I still have a picture of... Uh, Myself and one of my daughters uh, with the championship trophy in that yeah. uh, in that locker room. So yeah, that, that was the first one, a very special one, and
0: that's right. thanks
3: for making it happen.
0: Uh, amen. That's why we work so hard, and thanks for uh, letting me be a part of your journey at Michigan State. That was quite a, wa- quite a ride that I was able to go on and that you're still on. So we're cheering you from afar, Coach. Blessings on the on the season, and uh, can't wait to see you this offseason.
3: That's right. Okay, right. thanks, thanks Coach. for having us on. Go yep. Vikings and uh, go Green.
0: All right, we'll see you. All right, thanks, Mark and Kirk. We'll be right back to preview their
1: game against the Detroit Lions right after this. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. It's time to turn the page. It's Thursday night. Uh, game time is not that far away because of the short week, Kirk. And you're getting ready for the Detroit Lions, a three-eight and one team. And um, I, maybe the Denver game is the one that uh, is focusing laser focus because it was twenty nothing. That had that team had a backup quarterback came in here. And no doubt. Is that something that's on the mind of the coaches and the players? Do you get into this game because you there's no room for error anymore?
0: No, exactly right. I mean, we haven't clinched anything. We have a long ways to go. Uh, these four games, in a lot of way, will will tell the story. You take care of business down the home stretch. You're in a great spot. You don't take care of business, you're going to be sitting at home in January. So uh, we understand that. Now we got to go out and do it on Sunday and and get a win by any means. So uh, Detroit doesn't care, you know, where we're at or or. Or um, you know the team we have, so we got to get it done. And and I know they're going to come ready to play. And and uh, like you said, Denver uh, had a good had a good football team, and we couldn't afford to take them lightly. And got down twenty to nothing. And I think of the Buffalo Bills last year after we came off an emotional tie in, in Lambeau, and then played them at home. You know, got off to a slow start and couldn't couldn't recover. So. Uh, we're going to have to uh, you know, come loaded for Bear this week.
1: Knowing you have three divisional games still left at home uh, and understanding what's at stake here, uh, is it difficult to just kind of concentrate at this task at hand knowing you have to string games together, but you can only play one at a time? Yeah, right. And that's it, and this is the Lions.
0: Yeah, no doubt. We, I mean, we still have four weeks, so you can't look ahead. you got to just keep doing the same uh, approach we've had all season and, and look at your next opponent. It's a little unique as you get into December because the picture does clarify in terms of what you need to do, and and you start you can get distracted by the picture and 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 you know what it's going to look like as you get down to the end, and and you don't really you shouldn't do that. You should be the same way you are in week five, six, seven, which is just knowing you need to stack up wins and. Uh, all we can do right now is focus on the Detroit Lions and getting a win back here at home in front of our fans.
1: Do you feel like you're playing at, at the, the, the highest level of, of, of the season, the way you've been going from the beginning of the year and things that didn't work well you know. early on? But you seem to have a real comfort uh, mm-hmm. when I watch you in the, in, the, in the huddle right now. and No matter yeah. what's going on, nothing seems to be affecting you.
0: Well, it's hard to say. I think, um, you know we've talked about it at the the first segment of this show. I was very upset that we did mm-hmm. not go down and score on the last drive. And I and while you say oh, you know played well, done some good things, I take a lot of pride in at the end of the game being able to 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 make that play on third or fourth down that that gets the keeps the drive going and gets you down in scoring position and I did feel like we have the team and the offense that can do that in that moment, and so it's hard for me to say, yeah, I'm I'm doing a great job. When when the last drive I was out there, we did not uh, complete the job. So, but no, when you back up a step, which you really don't need to be doing yet in week, you know, 13, 14. uh, You know, I think we've done some really good things, and I think it goes back to team. I think you look at. Coach Stefanski and the system—what a great job our coaches have done! As we've had injuries and shuffled guys in and out, of keeping up production, being good in red zone, being good on third down, uh, and and spreading the ball around to a lot of different targets, and then running the football well. And, and what Dalvin has done—having a, you know, you could say Pro Bowl year, but I would say even you know a, a historically special year mm-hmm, with the production mm-hmm. he's had. Um, all of that has combined to then you know help me at the quarterback position, right. then feel like. We're doing some really good things.
1: It's Thursday night. We don't know yet, 100 uh, percent the the uh, status of Dalvin Cook and or Adam Thielen. But Dalvin said he's going to play. He's <laughs> nothing's going to stop him. Of course, we've we've been waiting for Adam to come back and a very nagging uh, hamstring injury. I'm sure. It's, I mean, it's got to be so frustrating for him to not be able to go at 100 percent. But that may be happening sooner than later. But uh you next man up is all you can do.
0: Yeah, it is all you can do. And. I've learned to not expect players to play so mm. that you can be pleasantly surprised if they're out there. So my approach is, you know, hey, we got to be ready to go without them. What's the plan without them? And if they tell me Sunday morning they're going, then yeah. great, We got them, and yeah. let's go play. So uh, I like to plan on the worst and uh, interesting, and then react accordingly.
1: u s. Bank Stadium has been a uh, a haven, it's been a wonderful place for this team to play football in the second half of the Denver game. Uh, prove that out, but uh, what does that mean to you uh, with these, these home fans and knowing it's December football and what it, what it can mean to you down the stretch with three home games?
0: I just think that, you know, especially with going to a tough environment this past Monday night and seeing what, what that does for a home team, I just would put our fans and our stadium right up there with anywhere in the league. And I think that opponents have to take that into account as they prepare to play us here in Minnesota. They have to crank up the noise in their. Practice facility all week long. They have to focus on communication and how are they going to execute their plays and be on the same page in a very difficult environment when all the emotions going against them. And so, I know that's a huge advantage for us. And you know, to be a playoff team, it really can help if you win all your home games. And uh, I'd like to be able to to get this year finished having done that. And uh, and we'll see. You know, the next ones at home, and we need to get it done. Your
1: concern is not um, the. Detroit offense, but they have a, a for another Big Ten quarterback starting right now, yeah. David Blau, who uh, played at Purdue. Purdue is known for his quarterbacks, and he's going to sling it around out there. And I don't know if yeah. you had a chance to even look at him or see what, anything that he's been up yeah, to. Yeah,
0: I watched him on Thanksgiving Day, obviously watched the game. Yeah. Um, did a great job. I mean, for your first career start, and he's a rookie, he was on a different team all off season right. in, in Cleveland to be able to, in late August, make the jump over to Detroit, pick up the system, and go in, and then play against a really good Bears defense. You know he has a lot of teammates who are out as well, like their starting running back, and to go in there and play at the level he did, I was very impressed. And uh, you realize that a guy like that is going to come in here with nothing to lose, ready to go. And um, you know we as a team got to be ready to answer the call.
1: Well, when you have a team like Detroit that's not going anywhere, it's three eight and one. Is it all even more more paramount to make sure that get them discouraged early? Uh, you don't want yeah. them to get them in a situation thinking, hey, we got a shot at winning this game.
0: A fast start's important, uh, if anything, for our crowd. You know, I think what was interesting was in the Denver game when we weren't playing well early, we didn't have the crowd because we didn't earn the right to have right. the crowd. And, and then suddenly in the second half when we come back, it's as loud as it's ever been in there because we, we did some things that, that gave them an opportunity to, to bring all their, all their might behind us. So we've got to start fast, which gets the crowd in it and then can make it a much tougher game for your opponent.
1: Well, you can see the finish line, but it has to start on Sunday because you get the Lions, you get the Packers, and you get the Bears all coming up here with one game yeah, with the Chargers. Yeah, kind of a unique schedule yeah, to lay out really with is.
0: three home divisional games. You probably don't see that uh, around the league very often. So we take advantage of that. Uh, we'll be just fine. But uh, but it starts with the Lions, and that's really all we need to focus on right now.
1: Noon start, U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings and the Lions. Kirk Cousins, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Under Center with Kirk Cousins.